I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. Welcome to the Maris Review. I'm Maris Kreisman, and this is a very special episode. I am joined today by Elisa Albert, who is the author of Afterbirth, The Book of Dahlia, the short story collection, How This Night is Different, and the editor of the anthology, Freud's Blind Spot. She lives with her family in upstate New York, and her latest novel is called Human Blues. Elisa. Hey, Maris. Hi, we've known each other for a long time now. 22 years. 22 years. Um, and, and about what, like 17 years ago or so, 16, I um, bought your first two books as an editor. How is that so long ago? I don't know. I'm so glad we're still connected and I'm so glad to be your lifer in publishing. Me, I, me too. Um, and and I, I feel like I've come to really know what an Elisa Albert novel or short story sounds like. <laughs> and so I am so delighted <laughs> that Human Blues has more usage of the word twat than perhaps any book I've read in a long time. It's a lot of twat. <laughs> um, tell me, well, first, I, I think your author's note which is in the back of the book, made me gasp. Why? Um, because it's, say, it's basically like, this is fiction, you idiots. But also, you know, this might resemble some people <laughs> in the real world. And um, the final line, I'm reading this to you, is any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is either obsessively honorific, purely coincidental, or a tool for exercising massive resentment. <laughs> Indeed. What a great final word. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> Tell you. Me. That was fun to write. That was a, and, and it was like the legal team at, at uh, my publisher that were like, yeah, we should put an author's note on here. So I went looking where I always go looking, which is um, Philip Roth <laughs> and, you know, perused some of his author's notes from over the years and just, you know, admired that they can be playful and actually engage with the creative act itself. Yeah. And yeah. sort of like, you know, be a commentary on the book and also like a way to sort of contextualize what you've hopefully just been through mm -hmm. if you've read the book, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, in this day and age, there's so much talk about autofiction and we're not talking about that. But what we are talking about is you've written this 400 mm -hmm. page novel yeah. that's a real character study. Like we are with Aviva. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I was when I was writing. I mean, that was, it was a, it was a performance. I, you know, I always feel like um, writing stories is a, is a sort of performance. Like I'm inhabiting something and it's not my life. I, I might borrow or steal ruthlessly wherever it serves me um, because life is a tool, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and fiction is a tool and there's the, the boundaries get really blurry and it's sort of like whatever serves my purposes is there. Um, but it's, you know, but it's also in no way a sort of a one-to-one, -one. you know, I, sure, I it's course. like a, it's like a, it, the book resembles or any book that I've written resembles my life the way, you know, a, a bowl full of berries resembles a smoothie, you know, <laughs> it's, which is to say like, yeah, I guess like sort of like, that's what goes in there. I don't, I only have what I have. It's, you know, I'm like an actor in some way, um, yeah. you know, but I always, I always end up in these conversations being like Al Pacino is not a gangster, you know, Meryl Streep didn't have to give up one of her children to a gas chamber. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, you're, you, it's hard when you're like consuming narrative, whether it's on the page or visual or you know, audio or whatever, like to, to sort of hold that in your mind. It's hard for me when I read people I love, but you know. Yeah. Um, the physicality of Aviva feels very familiar to me. Um, Bleeding as, wise? What's that? Bleeding wise? Um, no, like just her description, uh, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, great tits, lots of <laughs> hair everywhere, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that is an Elisa Albert character for sure. Totally, <laughs> totally. What do you do with big tits if you're like a thinking person? It's a quandary. It sure is. A puzzle. What would you do if your business had to hire great people fast? Here's a hint. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data, US. 
no other job site takes care of you like Indeed, because with Indeed, you only have to pay if an applicant meets your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed's doing something no other job site has done. Now, with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. So visit Indeed.com slash Maris to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash Maris. Indeed.com slash Maris. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so... You, it took you seven years to write this. Is that right? Seven years. Isn't that biblical? It is biblical. And I, I don't think it's like labeled this way in the book, but if you step back and count, you describe nine cycles in, yep. in Aviva's life. Tell me about that um, structure. Nine menstrual cycles. I was kind of amazed and shocked that there had never been narrative constructed this way. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's, it's partly just straight up patriarchal bullshit and like, and it's also like kind of self-loathing and like, I think we all grow up marinating in this idea that like, if we talk about our periods or if we inhabit them fully, then we're sort of like putting ourselves at risk of not being able to like, you know, play hardball in the world and be people as well. Um, it's really fraught. Uh, but as I've, as I've, you know, lived my life in this body, this menstruating body, um, and of course I'm like obsessed with bodies and reproductive justice and, and, and healthcare and, and, and the balance of like technology and, um, medical science uses and abuses, like all of that kind of is part of it. Um, because there, there are so many abuses heaped upon the, you know, quote unquote, female body, um, historically, currently wild. Anyway, as I've lived my life in this body, inhabiting this cycle and becoming, you know, increasingly fascinated by the cycle and like wanting to sort of understand it better and understand myself better and, and support myself and, um, and working as a full spectrum doula and everything that entails mm-hmm. and, and everything that I've been privy to in that realm. It just, it, it, it was so obvious to me when, when Aviva first kind of burst into my consciousness, it was like, this is somebody who wants to be pregnant and it's not happening easily, effortlessly. Like the menstrual cycle is everything. I mean, it yeah. has to just be like dominating. Um, and so I kind of, I wrote that first chapter draft of it. And I was like, fuck yeah. Cause you know, you're like, if you have an unmediated menstrual cycle you are physiologically very different in body and mind which are connected by the way, <laughs> Shut we up. now know um, <laughs> you're a different person. Yeah. Uh, and that's like scary, threatening shit historically. You know, that's like, like, oh God, don't say that. Like you can't be president. If, if, you know, you're not like a super linear controlled, you know, predictable, consistent entity, you can't have like fluctuating moods or, or feelings or states of being. That's like, no, 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 no. Elisa, Um, I hadn't questioned the fact that 
ever since college, I've been on birth control to regulate my periods. There you go. There you go, man. That's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with, with choosing, you know, to make that informed, you know, decision and say like, oh, I'm like better off on birth control or I, I, you know, I, I, I need birth control for birth control or, you know, whatever reasons a person might choose to be on birth control. But that is a bald faced, straight up bullshit motherfucking lie. And I was put on birth control with that same language um, at 15, not remotely sexually active, <laughs> not even like, not even like a hint, you know, much to my dismay, there was no need for birth control. It was regulation. And it took me in like deep into my twenties before I was like, what? Hold up. And like unraveling that, like doing, I'm, I'm a person of some privilege and a phenomenal education and great good fortune in this lifetime. Uh, and it took me forever to like claw my way through that bullshit. So like, what gives? Truly. And, and of course, the, when I went to read Human Blues again. Again? Again. Uh, well, you know, I was looking for the parts yeah. I had underlined. Um, it, it was when Roe fell. And I can't even imagine promoting this book right now like how, how are you feeling what what's going on amazing because it's a perfect crisis moment to discuss how ignorance is truly mm -hmm. across the board our biggest enemy ignorance is how we're fucking controlled can i say fuck on this podcast yes you can okay i already said twat twat i know um <laughs> but isn't twat like a a, a neutral word in like uk English in oh, British. Perhaps. Oh, so you can say the C <gasps> um, word then too. Oh God, language. Be careful. Language, <laughs> another dangerous, you know, always changing, minefields everywhere. Um, it's a really good moment. It's it's you know, ignorance. If we're talking about abortion, if we're talking about menstruation, if we're talking about birth control, if we're talking about pregnancy, if we're talking about avoiding, attaining, if we're talking about menopause, it, like puberty. I mean, like this whole spectrum is totally fucked when we are not actively engaged in like demanding informed consent. Um, and the whole system would crumble if we, quote unquote, we, people with uteruses, whatever, um, sort of insisted on, on being better informed and, and demanding better care and, you know, this is like my bread and butter. This is like my obsession. I just, I can't get enough of this stuff. Yeah. I, and I hadn't even, you know, I've, I've known for a long time that I'm not going to have children. So I hadn't, you know, gone down the rabbit hole, except through, you know, friends, you hear things mm -hmm. all the time, right? All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's and it's super normalized, which is which is a good thing. But but I think it could be normalized in a healthier way. I think yeah. it needs to still be complicated. I I love the you know Aviva's been trying to get pregnant, and so many different people in her life eventually say, um, just stop trying so hard, and then mm -hmm. it'll be easy. 
-hmm. And it's like, when has that ever, like, I don't understand that. How do you tell someone who's desperate for a baby to stop thinking about it? I know it's, it's funny and sad and weird. I, 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 that was a really fun part of this process was sort of constructing in, in each cycle, these sort of like, you know, the, the chorus, you know, uh-huh. the, the Greek chorus. And it was always changing. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, she's, she never steps in the same river twice. She's always kind of on the go and moving through the world. And she's always kind of listening and seeking and asking and, and rejecting and asking again. And um, it's this kind of like hero's journey. And she's, she's, even though she's like, she knows kind of how she feels, she's not ready to accept that she's like, why do I feel this way? Am I wrong? Am I right? What's wrong with me? No one else feels this way. What the hell? What's my deal? You know, I, I loved working through that with her. I love that. And especially because you capture so well what it's like to go through the phenomenon of, I'm going to call it doom scrolling. Doom scrolling. <laughs> because that is the Greek chorus now, right? That That's yeah, so yeah. much of it. It's just how you see other people living their lives and what they Mm -hmm. choose to Mm -hmm. present. And um, what a terrible mind fuck it can be. Terrible mind fuck, indeed. (laughs) You call it the portal, which I find interesting because- The portal of the hell. The portal (laughs) of hell is, I think that's also what Patricia Lockwood calls it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, oh, you know what? I think I, I think I knew that. I read a great excerpt from her most recent and I loved it. It's um, certainly dangerous in so many ways. Well, like all technology. Yes, yes. It is either a tool or a weapon and it mm-hmm. depends how we use it. It depends how we let it use us. This is like, this is a profound point, I think. Um, technology itself is not good or bad. Um, we as a species have been doing this since the Garden of Eden. We, since we were, you know, expelled for our quest for knowledge and our desire to sort of like move beyond the limitations of just sort of living peacefully in a, in a, in a, a fruit and vegetable and animal filled paradise. Um, we like want to better it. We're like, well, what else? What else? Yeah. What else can we do? Like, what else can we have? Like, how? Like, and and there's something cool about that, even though it's also the source of all our suffering. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's both, and it's like, you know, I don't want to live in a different time. I don't. I don't. Right. I don't glorify a time when like you might get a cut on your arm and die from it. Or, you know, your appendix bursts and you're gone or a bone breaks and you kind of hope for the best. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go back to a time when like we didn't have as many tools for mitigating suffering and postponing death to some degree. And at the same time, I'm like, but, but we're still going to die. And like, we're still mortal, fallible. And like, can we not avoid that to the point where we're just like psychotic and meaningless you know, Just brains in jars, I think. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to go to Mars. I don't want to be fucking immortal. Like that's not interesting to me. I I'm like a, I'm like an insect upon this earth. Like I, you know, I don't want to live to be 174. Um, but you know, I also, I, 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 
I'm grateful for trauma medicine, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, so it's like, it's just this constant sort of, and on the other hand, and on the other hand, technology is not good or bad. Medical science is not good or bad. There are bad actors. There are like horrific systemic forces that are like really exploitative and oppressive. Um, how do we navigate that? What a great question that might be um, contemplated in your book. <laughs> yeah, I don't have the answer. I mean, I, you know, I wrote a 400 page book sort of around that, but I don't, you know, the only answer that I arrived at is like this one person finds a sort of a, a way to accept her feelings, her lot, and a way to navigate what is given and not given to her that makes sense to her so she can sort of be whole you know yes that's all I know and beyond a spoiler alert there's a part of me that when the book ends I think is she not thinking about it now and so therefore blah 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 totally but that's the cool thing about the cycles you know it's like each cycle no, no two are ever the same and each one sort of takes her a little further, you know, and a little bit into a different space, different space, different space. And there's something beautiful and cool and like really special, dare I say, sacred, dare I, um, about inhabiting that. You know, we, we talk a lot these days about biology, you know, does it exist? Like, you know, it, it, it does plainly, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't really argue that. Um, we have ways of, of manipulating it, some of which are to our benefit, maybe, some of which are to our detriment, maybe. It's super individual, um, but the personal is also political and there is a larger picture that we have to pull back and, and look at if we're interested in being engaged, if we're not, okay. So I don't know, is Aviva, I think Aviva, I think Aviva is, at peace enough to move on at the end. I don't think she's never gonna, you know, there's that line, it's like, maybe she'll adopt. Who the fuck knows? Right. Who the fuck That's knows? not what we're talking about here. And like, it, it's just time to like put away this agony. Like she's done with it. And and you see her do that with, or you know, she likes to go back into the uh, other kinds of traumas in her life. Oh yeah. And reflect on them. But- obsessively but it does feel like the only answer is being able to move on it's like boring after a while I you know yes I I do you know any kind of personal struggle or obsessive you know struggle is it like at a certain point if you don't sort of get bored of yourself and find a way to move on in some regard, then I don't know. I don't, I don't fully get that. You gotta like, you gotta like move on at some point. Agree. And, and so I find it so funny that another huge aspect of this book is of course, Aviva is a musician Mm -hmm. Um, of the kind of music that I feel like is so good for dwelling and so good for being obsessed about things. Totally. And I know you were an Ani DeFranco girl. Am, am I right? Is that? Oh, hell, hell yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about 
Aviva's art and how you decided um, what her musical career would look like and what her influences are. Some of the best mixes of my life came from you. Huh. You, you're, you're like a, you're a total music fiend if memory serves. Yes. Yeah. Um, like I that's hope, something that we've shared. I hope um, it wasn't too much Indigo Girls. <laughs> there cannot be too much yeah, Indigo Girls. Yeah, I think that's girls. right. I think that's There right. is no such thing. It's a, it's a, it's a wellspring that will forever run deep. Um, so the music stuff, yeah, I'm obsessed with music. I mean, I, it's, uh, and it's, and it's like untouched for me um, in terms of like sort of industrial cynicism, the way, you know, it's like you're around books and the book industry and publishing and writers like for decades, you get a little cynical and you get a little, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm a voracious reader and I love what I love and I, I hold it dear and, um, but you know, it gets, it's like a little bit spoiled because you know how the sausage is made. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas like with music, I'm just like, I'm just like free to be a pure fan and like rock out and be happy and like not, not be at all worried about the industry or like the bullshit or, you know, so it was kind of fun to, to like write about music and like, and like be super involved with music during the whole book. But like, like sort of export some of what I know about uh, the perversions of like the publishing industry. Like, I think all industries are sort of like essentially the same in how they're messed up and art versus commerce. And, you know, the way that like a true artist is sometimes like sidelined cause like they're a little inconvenient sometimes, you know. Elisa, I was gonna ask you like, how do you go about mapping the book world onto, or no, how do you go about mapping the music world onto something that I recognize so clearly as the book world? Because I think it's it's like yeah. all industries are corrupt and suspect. <laughs> you know, if like if we were if we were plumbers and we went to like the plumber convention, I think we'd be having the same sort of like status, power, struggle, annoyance, like ugh that plumber thinks he's so great, but he just like, <laughs> whatever, you know, like it, like it, pick an industry. Like, I think they're all systems are like the same power abuses are the same, you know, exploitation is the dynamic is, is similar no matter where you were like drop down in life. I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think it's similar too, in that you have to find the, the, the people you, get on with because there right. are so many right. bad ones <laughs> well yeah and like and like you have to be doing the work because you take pleasure and satisfaction and fulfillment in the work not so that you can elbow or claw your way to some perch or some other or push somebody else out of the way or achieve some kind of like plateau status where you're unassailable like it's like you you know that doesn't really map to plumbing I guess but like you know, if you take pride in your work and you're good at it and you, the journey is the destination and it's process over product and you're, um, and you're lucky enough to be able to make a, a semblance of a living at it, um, then all the rest is noise. And I think that must be true in, in other creative fields. I think, 
Yeah, I think like there's a point where Aviva contemplates the idea of the tortured artist. Mm -hmm. And I love her response is basically like, yeah, (laughs) we're working hard at this, at this thing that we love and we're fucking tortured. Right. Like, like even if we're good enough at it, that we make it seem easy, it's not. And like you pay a price and it's you, you, you give a lot and it's not easy. Um, and it's not free, you know, there's like, I don't think artists have to be tortured. I mean, that's the other like theme in the book is like, you know, to be a true genius, you don't have to fucking die at 27. Like, how do you care for your gifts and like share your gifts and engage with your, what you have to offer without self-destructing? So the only other artist I've heard you talk about more than Ani is Amy Winehouse. Mm -hmm. And they're so different. They're so different. Um, And they're both so fundamental to my, you know, my musical affinities. And Amy, certainly you cover this in the book so well, but like by the end of her life, she was tortured. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It it hadn't occurred to me that the way we envision her, most of us right from right now, Mm -hmm. imagine the beehive and Mm -hmm the dramatic eyes and I hadn't considered that it yeah that she needs this costume to arm herself against totally tell me about going deep on Amy and 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 what it did to your novel it sort of took on a life of its own I didn't I didn't know that this was going to happen and there were definitely times over this like long process where I was like, what am I doing? Like, how, why is this? And, and to have to, I just, I just was like a dog with a bone. I was just like, I don't know why, but like these things need to be reconciled. And the story is somehow, you know, we get obsessed with things. I get obsessed with things. Maybe that's like a, maybe that's unique to people like us that we get like you know, although I yeah. think, I think a lot of people do. I think, I think it's all just different. It might be a Marvel movie. It might be like mm-hmm. cosplay. It might be, you know, is that how you say that word? Cosplay? Cosplay? Cosplay. cosplay. Okay. Um, like a lot of like early voracious readers, there's a lot of words. I know how, I know what they mean, but I don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce them. Like when I was like 12, I thought that estranged had a silent G, you know, there's like tons of words like that. Cause like I spent more time in books than I did like in the world. up. <laughs> Every time I listen to an audiobook, it's a new revelation. <laughs> I, know. I know. Every time I do a reading, somebody's like, like of my own work, somebody's like, that's not how you say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Um, okay. Sorry. What were we talking about? Amy. Amy. And yeah, so I just, I was, I was obsessed. Something about her willingness to just not give a fuck. And I needed that energy for this book somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and even though I don't think it was, it's necessary for a great artist to self-destruct, I, I do think there's something irreconcilable about being that pure and that raw and that just genuine an artist who, who's not interested in being anyone but yourself. 
who's not trying to cover it up or be someone else or ape something or you know give the people what they want or like what if people don't like me it's like i don't give a fuck if people like me like the work is more important the integrity of the work is more important but it's like it's unsustainable you know and and i think the same in life like we have to if we're going to survive if we're going to we have to compromise we have to sand down our roughest edges we have to learn how how to how to kind of be like okay but like how do you get along in the world and in your own life and with your own work and 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 survive and like get to be like a reasonably happy elder if you're so lucky you know I don't think you can do that if you're just like everything's fucking bullshit all the time like you have to find a way to like let go of some of your own insistent you know beliefs or desires I really appreciate that some of Aviva's critics might echo some <laughs> other critics totally. and totally uh, and so did you find yourself, is that you making peace? Well, I think it's me being like a little meta and having fun and trying to sort of like insist on having room to like breathe and move within this, even though it's inevitable that like anytime one tries to kind of like uh, inhabit some perspective in an authentic way, like there's going to be people who are like, fuck you. Um, and that's okay. Like, that's not something to be feared. You know, I'm glad to live in a time where I'm not going to get like literally burned at a stake, you know? <laughs> um, but, and like, and it's, so I'm, I, you know, I, I, I have, yeah, I say that from a place of privilege because I am like, I'm quote unquote safe. I'm, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I have my life. I have my community. I have my work. I have my, you know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not, immediately threatened by like people being like, I hate you. I hate everything you're saying. I hate your work. I hate your art. I hate your metaphors. I hate your, you know, it's like, okay, it's not for you. Like there's plenty to choose from like, um, and what a lot of other people like, I, I don't like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's a buffet. We have a lot to choose from, but I think, I think that's me trying to enjoy myself in spite of that sort of inevitable, you know, demon on the shoulder being like, people aren't going to like this. You know? Yeah. And say, fuck them. No. <laughs> um, because you like, will find like, your people. Okay. You'll find like, your people. Like, I think we have to be brave if we want to be artists. I, I teach, I teach a lot. And the, the sort of like repetitive theme often is this kind of like you know this kind of like writer's blocky sort of like well what do I write like what if people don't like what if what if no one publishes it or what if it's like why are you writing why like what is this for you know the world doesn't need any more canned bullshit that's like like directed at a focus group that's not that's not necessary don't waste your time. Don't waste anyone else's time. There's like a lot to be done in the world. Storytelling is just one kind of work. Um, if it's not coming from like a necessary, authentic place, like just like spare us. 
<laughs> this is what a great place to end, except that I'm going to ask you for book recommendations so you can tell us about the okay. ones that you love. Okay. So I, I, I love that question so much. And I love knowing it beforehand. Cause whenever somebody asks me that, like on the spot, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I recently, I read the new Gary Steingart. I loved it. Um, and that was really fun. I also recently loved this Christine Smallwood novel, The Life of the Mind, um, which takes place over a few days um, during which the narrator is having a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, another, like, and, and a really amazing portrayal of it. And I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. In fiction, which is weird. But thank God this book exists now. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of this incredible Alice Childress book, A Long Walk. I burned the cover with incense by accident, so it's <laughs> scarred. But I really love this book. She, her dates are like 1916 to 1994. She was best known as a YA author. I don't know if you remember. It was in like my school library. Her most famous YA book that was made into like a miniseries in 1983 was um, A Hero Ain't Nothing But a Sandwich. And it was about a kid in Harlem who gets addicted to heroin in the 70s. Um, totally had that book as a kid. Anyway, I had never read her adult stuff. She was a playwright too, but she was a contemporary of Lorraine Hansberry. Hmm. And, and it was like 100% like, oh, you're really good. But we already have a Black female playwright mm -hmm. up on Broadway. So like, we're not producing your play. But she did have, she won an OB. She, she had a lot of, a lot of success. Um, and this is a novel that like it's it covers like a, a one person's life it, like from birth in the teen in the 19 teens in South Carolina like into like Marcus Garvey and Harlem and like this whole it's a little bit like Forrest Gumpy in the way that like <laughs> that like her life her life in the 20th century like tracks and like and like hits on all these like really anyway um Alice Walker ripped in a new one in Ms. Magazine in 1979 and it like killed it Alice Walker hated this book and I, I love it. I really love it. Feminist Press reissued it. Her other adult book is called um, like One of the Family and it's from the perspective of like a domestic worker um, in the mid 20th century, um, black woman who works in all, you know, white women's houses. And it's like the white women are like super condescending and, um, but okay, so I love Alice Childress. This I finished recently, Revenge of the Scapegoat by Karen Bylin, a Dorothy Project book. Oh yeah. I thought it was I thought it was delightful and perfect and smart and funny and original. And it just delighted me from beginning to end. And now I'm like a Karen Bylin completist because I went and got all her other books. Super cool book. And then I also, this is poetry, but Sam Sachs, Madness. Oh, yeah. Love this. He he's best known perhaps for his um viral poem that you can find online called butthole which i think is amazing but it was really fun to read i don't often read poetry collections like straight through but it's it's a cool experience um news flash everybody reading poetry is a cool experience <laughs> i love I really that like what a yes elisa thank you so much this was so fun maris thank you so much i love being in conversation with you here's to another 20 years indeed Thank you for listening to the Maris Review, and check the show notes for the books we discussed on here today. And please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.